Dr. Ely, how you doing? I'm well. How goes it for you? Well, you know, I'm hanging in there. I am encouraged. I got my second vaccination, so, you know, I'm just I'm just building up my strength because it's going to be a shot girl summer. Yes, <laughs> I like that shot girl summer. And mind you, I'm selling wolf tickets because the truth is somebody going to have to get me out of quarantine because I have been here and I have gotten <laughs> quite used to the door being closed. the door is closed the door is closed i have sealed myself off from the outside world and i'm just peeking out the window so i mean it's gonna it's gonna take some adjustment i would love to be able to run back outside and just enjoy myself and and do all the things that i wanted to do last year but it's gonna take some adjustment but i tell you that vaccine is an important step forward. So I'm just immensely grateful to all the folks involved in this vaccination effort, the researchers, the health professionals, the public health professionals, the volunteers, everybody, everybody out there who has worked really hard, honestly, to save people's lives. So absolutely. All the frontline workers, those risking it all before the vaccine, to make sure that, you know, we were able to get groceries in the Amazon warehouses, online stores, fulfilling our orders. We are truly grateful for all of your efforts. People who are sharing um, facts, people who are sharing real information, trying to answer questions, you know, the people who are out here supporting their family members and helping them get to and from these vaccine locations, vaccination sites, and so many people who have really worked hard and worked together to try to help their communities and help the country and and help the world. And there's so many other parts of the world that that still need so much support. As we're saying this in the United States is, is kind of still trying to coordinate its efforts. It's a lot. It's a huge, huge lift and we still got a ways to go. But, um, I'm just, I'm appreciative of where we are today because a year ago, you're in a very different place. Yep. You can kind of (laughs) hear us tracking it as we went along at every episode. We were just like, I think there's something happening. Looks like there's coronavirus out here. Oh, it looks like it's shutting down. Yeah. Those are very scary times. Yeah. So anyway, really grateful for, for information, grateful for resources, grateful for for medical treatment and prevention with this vaccine. So, and I'm also grateful for the best sitcom ever, A Different World. And today we are going to review one of my favorite episodes ever of A Different World, episode seven from season two, entitled A Stepping Stone. And just a reminder to our listeners and classmates. We have structured the podcast to review each episode in chronological order. So if you haven't already, make sure you go back and listen to our previous episodes. But nonetheless, A Stepping Stone aired December 1st, 1988. In summary, Whitley choreographed Gilbert Hall's step routine for a competition during homecoming festivities while annoying everyone with her pushy attitude, forcing their team captain, Jaleesa, 
to take drastic measures when she insults a rhythmless Freddie. Meanwhile, Walter recruits Dwayne into tutoring the football team star offensive lineman, also known as the Meat Locker, for a math test that he must pass in order to remain eligible for the big game. This episode, like the other many other episodes, if not all of them in season two, was directed by Debbie Allen. This episode is written by Cheryl Gard. We've mentioned her on a previous podcast episode. She wrote several episodes in season one, um, two, and seasons one and three, and eventually became a co-executive producer. And she went on to write and produce for Hanging with Cooper and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. The producers are Marcy Carsey, Debbie Allen, Joanne curley Kerner, Susan Fales, Nancy Hass, Thad Mumford, Margie Peters, and Tom Warner. Starring in this episode, we have Don Lewis, Jasmine Guy, Kadeem Hardison, Mary Alice, Sinbad, Chanel Brown, and Free Summer. And Portia, I'll pitch it off to you so you can tell us about the guest appearance here. Okay, we have several guest stars on here, so let's get into it. So coming back, actually, we have a, a, a returning character, Sharice, played by Kelly Jo Minter. We first saw her earlier in episode two of season two. And according to IMDb, this is actually her final episode on A Different World. Uh, oh, so thank you, Kelly Jo Minter, for, for your service. <laughs> We already talked about her acting career uh, previously, so we know that she went on to numerous film and television roles, and she's actually still in the business today. So that is Kelly Jo Minter. Next, we have Tracy Harrison playing Suzanne Taylor. We first saw her in episode two of season two, and according to IMDb, she will return in episodes eight and 14 of this season. So let's see. We have playing Miss Pruitt, who is a pivotal character in this episode. We have Miss Leela Danette. I believe that's how you pronounce her name. Leela Danette was born in Jacksonville, Florida, and attended both Morgan State and Howard University before becoming an elementary school teacher and speech instructor. So she she knows that HBCU life through and through. Yeah. Now get this. She became a professional actress at the age of 67. Wow. This is her retirement career. And what a retirement. Awesome. Um, she, she earned rave, review, rave reviews in various stage productions before appearing in television shows, including Spencer for Hire, The Cosby Show, and several episodes of Law & Order. So throughout the 80s and 90s, you've probably seen her on a multitude of, of television shows. Miss um, Danette, died in in 2012 at the age of 103 years old. Oh, wow. God bless her. Yes. Amazing, amazing career. Amazing life. And, uh, you know, just really wonderful. And, you know, I'm sure her actual life uh, stands in stark contrast to the woman, <laughs> the character that she played yes. in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving on, we have Winston the Meat Locker Woodson, played by Jamie Cardridge. Uh, 
Now, we will see him show up again this season in episode nine. Uh, but Jamie Cardridge has uh, had quite an interesting uh, life and, and probably mirrors a little bit of uh, Meat Locker's life. <laughs> we'll find out a little bit more about him. But uh, Jamie Cardridge actually was an All-American football player at Oklahoma State University before turning to professional wrestling under the name the Harlem Warlord, which is quite <laughs> okay, quite a name. But if you were sitting there watching this episode and saying to yourself, man, he looks like a football player or a wrestler, you'd be right. He was both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, he was discovered by a casting director while working out at a gym, and that's how he became an actor. And according to IMDb, this very episode was his very first television role. So what a way to make an entrance. And he does a good job. He does an excellent job. Yeah. He really holds his own. After A Different World, he went on to appear in the movie House Party and in numerous TV shows throughout the 90s, including Family Matters, Who's the Boss, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, The Wayans Brothers, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, The Parkers. Like, basically, if you watch Black television, you probably saw him once or twice. Yeah. And he was also a cast member in the first two seasons of Malcolm and Eddie alongside Malcolm Jamal Warner, a.k.a. Theo Huxtable. So. It comes right back around, back to the Hillman universe. Uh, now, Jamie Cardridge sadly passed away in the year 2000 from complications from gallbladder surgery. He was only 32 years old at the time, but his memorable roles in some of our favorite movies and TV shows throughout the 90s live on today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Next, we have playing his teammate who's credited as football player. That's that's the name. <laughs> Playing football player, we have Lance Reed. Now, according to IMDb, this was his very first television role as well. And he went on to appear in several TV shows, including Life Goes On and The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find too much more than that. But yes, so that is Lance Reed. And finally, last but certainly not least, playing Libby Hall step captain. She don't have a name either, but listen, I know you know who she is. Mm -hmm. This is Eartha Robinson. Don't let the airtime fool you. Her character didn't have a name. She wasn't on very long, but this woman is a huge deal, was a big deal at that time, and still remains a big deal in the entertainment industry today. Eartha Robinson is an actress dancer and choreographer she attended the performing arts high school that the movie and tv show fame was based on and she made her broadway debut in the whiz back when stephanie mills was still playing dorothy wow yes so original production of the whiz she then went on to be cast in the tv show fame as a dancer for four seasons so again that that fame debbie allen connection that we've been seeing all throughout she went on to appear on A Different World for a total of three times. So we'll see her again later on this season and then again in season four. She has also worked as an actress, like I said, and a dancer and a dance double for over 100 TV shows, films, commercials, stage productions, and specials, including School Days. So she worked with uh, Jasmine Guy. 
on school days. She was in that, you know, good and bad hair dance routine thing. Y'all remember that iconic light skin versus dark skin, you know, sister was holding it down for the, for the Browns. And uh, let's see. And she was also in the groundbreaking film, Daughters of the Dust, Julie Dash directed film. She was also in the Josephine Baker story, Malcolm X, Stomping at the Savoy, La La Land. She made several appearances on the Oscars, the Grammys, the Image Awards, and the Essence Awards. She's done it all. She also served as a choreographer for films such as Polly, What's Love Got to Do With It, and Sister Act Two. And she's also served as creative director and choreographer for Aretha Franklin, Earth, Wind & Fire, Luther Vandross, Beyonce, Jill Scott, Kirk Franklin, and many more. Yes. Yes. This is a professional. And you may have noticed as I listed off her credits, she's worked with Debbie Allen numerous times. And like Debbie Allen, she's also founded her own performing arts company in L.A. It's called Heartfelt Education Through the Arts, where she serves as the dance instructor. And here's a fun fact. Miss Vernie Watson, who played the dorm director Carla in the pilot for A Different World, she also works at this performing arts company and she serves as the acting instructor. So full circle moment all the way around. Yeah, definitely. That is Eartha Robinson. So when you see her come up on the screen, recognize recognize put some respect on her name you are witnessing greatness yes yes indeed all right so let's get into this episode because like you said Ely, it's your favorite episode it's one of my favorites as well this is homecoming at hillman college we finna do it we finna see what hbcu homecoming looks like so the ladies of gilbert hall are practicing for the big step competition which they lost last year unfortunately So Whitley does not want to repeat. And so she decided she was going to choreograph a routine that is sure to win. Only if they would just do it correctly. And I understand that feeling. Sometimes you just, you got a vision. You just need everybody to, to do it. Right. (laughs) Do it the way I need you to do it. But honestly, by they, I really mean Freddie. Because unfortunately, Freddie's got two left feet and she is on the struggle bus with these steps. So they're down in the in the lobby of uh, Gilbert Hall. They moved all the furniture out the way so they can practice. But Letty warns them, y'all need to move everything back in place by the time I return. Because she is on her way to pick up Hillman's oldest living graduate, Miss Pruitt. And they will host a reception right there in Gilbert Hall. So everything needs to be put in place and be ready for her to be received. So let's stop there and let's talk about the fact that this is homecoming 88, not homecoming 87. Right. Because I'm like, last year, girl, there was no step show that Willie was in last year. Come on now. <laughs> they could have left that out the strip. Don't nobody believe it. <laughs> they thought we forgot because what we remember is homecoming 87, meaning right. season one. This was all about Denise and grandpa you know, exploring their grand grandfather, granddaughter dynamic, he came back for homecoming. Um, and it was about it was around this whole plot of trying to steal the bear head of the um opposing team, of the right. rival team, rival school. And uh 
Denise and, and Maggie and Jaleesa, I think, were trying to plot because they were trying to defy these stereotypes against women. There's never been a woman that stole the bear head. I think that was right. it. So they were trying to make history with that. And oh, all I remember <laughs> was that they had some homecoming dinner the night before the game and they had the the choir glee club i don't know jaleesa was a soloist but <sighs> it was so dry it was just so dry yeah definitely did not reflect the theme and tenor <laughs> of an hbc homecoming <laughs> i mean certainly not what i would have thought and by the way, this is season one, episode seven, entitled Sometimes You Get the Bear, Sometimes the Bear Gets You. Even the title is whack, but anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long title for something that was not as entertaining as I would say this episode was. Homecoming 88 made up for we got We got the step team. We got some fun. We got high stakes it's not about trying to steal steal some bear head it's about trying to win this step show which is real that's what homecoming is like for real <laughs> mm-hmm. also again whitley gilbert dancing queen i just want to just give her another shout out i appreciate these opportunities that whitley is having to show off or jasmine guy i should say mm-hmm. is having to show off her dance skills this is at least the third time we've seen her this season mm-hmm. dance after I don't think she did much of anything the first season. She did yoga. We knew she was flexible. I was just about to say that. The closest <laughs> thing we saw her doing to dance was yoga. Yeah. So, all right. Let's move on to the next scene, which is at the pit, which is packed. Again, this is homecoming. But it's not too packed for Dwayne because as soon as he walks in, he makes a beeline for Suzanne. He sees her right away, Suzanne Taylor. And they decide to meet up at the bonfire later. And uh, so, you know, Dwayne is excited. He's got him, him a little date. And suddenly Walter shows up to ask for a favor. As many times as Dwayne has asked him for a favor, you know, including just last episode, give me a ride home for Thanksgiving. Walter certainly is in position to ask him for a favor in return. Pull out the receipts, Walter. Yes. And this is a big one because he needs Dwayne to tutor the star football player, a.k.a. the meat locker, so he can pass his math exam and play in the big game. He's Hillman's best shot at winning the homecoming game for the first time in five years. Woo. So it's a lot on the line. Dwayne agrees. Because he knows, you know, the bragging rights are at stake. But when he learns that he'll have to start Friday night, he tries to back out because he just made plans with Suzanne. But again, like you said, receipts. Walter reminds him that Dwayne owes him and proceeds to list just a few of his screw ups that he's had to clean up. So, you know, Dwayne was persuaded. He made a, he made a, a, a valid argument, strong argument. And Dwayne agreed to work with the meat locker. Now, right off the bat, we see down at the pit this banner that says destroy Hampton. I mean, again, nice detail, nice touch illustrating that we're talking about an HBCU. Because if you know, 
Hampton University is an HBCU, a real HBCU, which was established in 1868 in Hampton, Virginia. So in-state rival. And just to give you a little fun fact, some of its notable alumni include Booker T. Washington, Wanda Sykes, DJ Envy. Every time I say the name DJ Envy, I got to say Angela Yee and Charlemagne the God. <laughs> <laughs> they come as a trio. And Mary Jackson, who you may recall was one of the hidden figures in NASA. And she mm-hmm. was played by uh, Janelle Monet in the movie Hidden Figures. So cool. they have legacy. Yes. Okay. What else stood out about this particular scene for you, Ely? The one thing that stood out most was the reference to Kanishiwa. And yeah. so I was, I was like, dang, we, okay, they interject Kanishiwa really, really early because I don't, up until this point, we don't know about Dwayne's uh, internships, right? He hasn't done an internship with them or, you know, the career aspirations, whatever. And Kanishiwa is like a constant. Uh, throughout will be a constant reference throughout the series right you're right I was surprised to hear the reference so early they really laid a lot of groundwork to get him to where we know at the very end he uh, ends up working for them full-time but uh, yeah so the reference is you know when Walter pulls out his list to convince Dwayne to change his mind he says you broke my Kanishiwa tape deck You broke that when you snuck into my dorm window. (laughs) (laughs) When you snuck into my window. And I saved your behind when you decided you wanted to do a panty raid at Libby Hall. So, I mean, you out here sneaking and stealing and breaking things and I got to clean up after you. You going to do this for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say if we had to draw a parallel. Maybe, you know, Kanishiwa was, uh, would be like Panasonic or Sony. Yeah, Sony was the big one. So like Panasonic, Sony. But nonetheless, uh, I was, you know, in watching it, I was like impressed at the thoughtfulness that went into the writing and the storyboards. You know, I was kind of like, what came first? Kanishiwa tape deck or did we know that? Kanishiwa would be Dwayne's career aspiration, and that was a subtle and very nuanced but clever way of introducing the name and kind of familiarizing um, the audience with that brand. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. That would be interesting to hear the thought uh, process behind that. But you know, it also kind of brings home the fact that there's so many things that we that we have in our homes that we don't really, we kind of look at it like it's a brand, but we don't think about the people that make it, um, the people that are behind and the careers that are associated with those items. So, you know, you buy a Kanishiwa tape deck, you don't think about the technology that goes into it and, you know, the technology that will continue to go into going from a tape deck to a CD player to, you know, whatever the next thing is going to be. Um, so it it is kind of cool to to kind of see somebody like Dwayne who has a, an aptitude for math and who has an interest in electrical engineering and then eventually he'll go on to make products for and 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 possibly invent things and develop things at Kanishiwa. Right. 
So, all right, but we are back in uh, Homecoming 1988 at Hillman College, and we are actually at Gilbert Hall. Now that the lobby has been transformed, everything put back into place for this reception, we see Letty enter into the dorm feeling dejected. She couldn't find Miss Pruitt anywhere at the train station. So not sure what to do. We cannot lose the oldest living graduate on her way to back to the campus. And then suddenly Miss Pruitt arrives. Relieved, Letty greets her and tells her she was so worried because she couldn't find her. And Miss Pruitt informs her that it's because she decided she was going to skip the train ride and take the cab all the way to Hillman. <laughs> I'm not sure where her um where her starting point was, but she tells Letty that she owes the cab driver $92 and she better not skip on the tip. So, interesting way to start off the day. So, while Letty is a good little girl and she <laughs> pays the bill, she doesn't say anything. Whitley goes ahead and introduces herself, or shall I say, reintroduces herself, reminding her that they actually met when she was just 12 years old at a Lynx fundraiser in Richmond, Virginia. And she was so inspired by her leadership. Kim gives her a bouquet of flowers, and Jaleesa introduces herself as well. And Miss Pruitt is not impressed. She's having none of it. And she shoots down every compliment and kind gesture. Letty even returns offering some tea. And Miss Pruitt says, you know, thanks, but I prefer Sherry in my room. So they, they have quite a character on their hands at Gilbert Hall. What do you think about this scene here? It was funny. So when she mentioned the $92 cab ride, you know, me trying to together missing pieces was like oh I wonder did she come from DC <laughs> mm -hmm. and then I was like oh or maybe she came from Richmond and then with Whitley's uh recollection I was like okay maybe she was you know coming from Richmond to Hillman so she kind of cleared that up I also thought it was cool that they um mentioned the link yeah it's similar to a previous episode that we talked about where they mentioned the um UNCF, mm -hmm. right? They don't explain it, but they mention it. So I really appreciate those very nuanced, but details that are very nuanced, but still very black, right? That, uh, you know, if you're part of the culture, you, you understand, you get, and you appreciate. And again, watching this show as an older person, I have a much greater appreciation for these uh, for the way that they incorporate these types of details yeah and it, and it really serves as a shorthand like you know you know what they're talking about when they say the links mm -hmm. so that tells you all you need to know you know who this woman is you know where she comes from you know her her social status right you know everything but for those who are unfamiliar with the links um it's actually one of the nation's oldest and largest service organizations. It was founded in 1946, and its membership consists of more than 16,000 professional women of African descent. 
with chapters in nearly every state in the U.S., the Bahamas, and the U.K. And honorary members include Marian Anderson, Leotine Price, Rosa Parks, Condoleezza Rice, and Vice President Kamala Harris. Yes. All right. Now, again, we have quite a character on our hands. This is a, a <laughs> this is an amazing introduction to Miss Pruitt. What do you think about Miss Pruitt? And have you ever encountered any alums uh, like this with kind of prickly attitudes? So, Miss Pruitt was a lot <laughs> <laughs> to take in. Um, I would say there probably were alums with prickly attitudes and such, but I never had very close encounters with them. But uh, I do have empathy for Whitley because, you know, a person of the stature and legacy of Miss Pruitt would definitely be something that I would aspire to be similar to Whitley. I would have been very excited (laughs) to meet her on campus, to see her and talk to her, you know, Whitley's encounter with her as a kid. That sounded very familiar to me. Like, that's something that would have inspired me as a little girl or young girl growing up. So um, I definitely could align and identify with Whitley's feeling and excitement about the alum coming. But what this does remind me of, and I have to share this really quickly. So Tougaloo didn't have a football team, so we didn't have an official homecoming. But in the fall, we would have Founders Week, which was our homecoming parallel. I cannot remember this lady's name for the life of me, but Hope and I encountered this wonderful older lady during Founders Week one year. This is our sophomore year, I think. Maybe a sophomore junior year. And she was just a lovely, 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 lovely lady. I forgot where she was from. But, you know, Hope and I were ambassadors for homecoming activities. So we were showing different alumni around. And we found out the lady was our store. She was a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha. And um, she was a rich lady, too. <laughs> and so, you know, we both saw that and we're like, ooh, like, rich lady. Like, this is hashtag goals. Like, we need to talk to her. <laughs> Let's, you know, glean from this this woman. And we just, we ended up spending the whole day with her, going to dinner. Girl, you know, they would have the vendors out. She took, we went to the vendor. She bought us like AKA paraphernalia. We just had a really, really lovely time with this alum. So I can identify with Whitley's experience. Fortunately for me, my Miss Pruitt was the total opposite. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a wonderful moment and, and the kind of moment that you want to pay forward. Like, you know, kind of make a magical moment for another uh, <laughs> another young soror. I've had opportunities to do that. And I have. So yeah, it's really cool. But definitely um, have paid it for and looking forward to paying it forward even bigger. Like I prayerfully want to get to the point where I'm giving out scholarships or something. Yeah. I didn't mean it like you need to do that. I just I was just talking out loud like that would be amazing to for me to be able to do for somebody else because that that's that's like life-changing kind of stuff yeah it is it is okay so that's what's going on at gilbert hall now back at mclurkin hall it's not as fun not that it's especially fun with miss pruitt there at gilbert hall but (laughs) Dwayne is struggling he is trying to tutor meat locker and it's not going well 
So meat actually is a poetic, right-brained, creative thinker, <laughs> not an analytical thinker like Dwayne. So it's not happening. Meat is just not built that way. And Dwayne doesn't know what to do. Walter sees all this going down and he's like, okay, it's time for a break. Meat, go ahead and stretch your legs. Let me talk to Dwayne. <laughs> when the coast is clear, Dwayne confides in Walter and he is convinced that he'll never get through to him. But Walter tells them, if the team loses, it's your fault. <laughs> Walter has no sympathy. He's just like, you know what? You're going to have to do what you got to do because I don't care. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at Gilbert Hall, Jaleesa is tutoring Freddie, but this time it's on the step routine. Again, not going very well, but Freddie is confident that she will get it. I like Freddie's attitude. As she attempts to show Jaleesa her progress, Whitley witnesses it all from the doorway, and she's seen enough. She's had enough. She tells Freddie, quote, those who can step and those who cannot step aside and freddie gets the hint and she walks out quite insulted and jaleesa now has seen enough she is quite fed up and she tells whitley you are out of control and out of line and as captain of the step team you are no longer welcome on this team and that's that on that so what you think about this where we have Dwayne and the meat locker struggling and then we have Freddie and Jaleesa and Whitley in this bit of a conflict with the step team. So initially, I was thinking that we were going to have this trope of the dumb jock. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate the reference to the right brain and um, the beat locker talking about his love of poetry. Yeah. So. I thought that was cool. It's a sitcom, so things are things are are played up and, and characters um there you know there's a bit of hyperbole, right, in our characters, but definitely brought back memories of step practices and you know the sorors who has the challenges, <laughs> especially when we were preparing for our probate show, right? Because everybody's in the probate. With the step team, you got the dancers and the people who step for real. But with probate, like, you got to get everybody on board. And some people are rhythmically challenged, like Miss Freddie. So definitely brought back some memories. Now, have you ever been frustrated with anyone you've tutored or taught? You know, I, I know that you spent some time as a college professor. So, you know, have you ever had those experiences? And if so, how did you handle it? Definitely. I've tutored in the past and obviously have taught. Uh, there have been moments where the student was just not getting it. For me, I took it personally as though, and, and not from the student, but it was, I'm failing, right? I felt like I was failing. And so basically just would throw everything at the situation <laughs> mm -hmm. to make it work. And, and if it didn't look for workarounds, okay, if like, you know, if this concept is not working for you, let's move on to the next one. And I'm going to make you good at this other thing, hopefully. Yeah. What about you? Um, I can't remember a specific moment 
where I've been frustrated with someone that I tried to tutor. But yeah, that is the more preferred approach to just kind of work with someone's strengths or try a different approach to help them understand the concept. Unfortunately, Whitley did not get that memo. She was not trying to help Freddie uh, do what she does well or try to adjust the choreography for her. She was just like, Freddie, you need to bend to me. I'm not bending to you. And, you know, similarly, Dwayne was just hitting brick walls with Meat Locker, even though he was trying to tell him, I think differently. So the way that you're teaching me is not working for me. And he just kind of was like, well, then you're not, you're not good enough. I don't think that I've ever approached anyone with that kind of attitude. Yeah. But yeah, it there, I'm sure I've had moments of frustration, mostly not knowing how to adjust um, or not knowing, you know, what to do, but really wanting to help. Right. I'm a very empathetic person. So just my attitude and posture is just, I'm just not like Whitley in that way. But I can appreciate Whitley's toughness. And I've been on the receiving end (laughs) Mm. of that type of toughness. I remember as a little girl, I was in this um, drill team dance camp over the summer. And it was a pivot turn. I could not get that pivot. And I remember the, uh, the young lady, she was a high school student at the time. She was a senior. Her name is Tammy. And uh, you know that saying, people will never forget how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. I was a little girl. I was probably like seven or eight, you know, in this dance camp. And I could not get this pivot turn. And she had taken me to the side. She was working with me. And she must have been a perfectionist. And I, I cannot get this pivot. And girl, that I remember, I can see her now. We were in the hallway at the high school. And she slammed her fist on the locker. And she cursed. <laughs> she was like, shit. Oh. And that hurt my little feelings <laughs> so bad. Like, I remember that like it was yesterday. You know, I'm 41 years old remembering this one particular event from the time I was seven. But um, so then she like handed me off to this other girl who was on the dance team as well. She had a lot more patience. I don't remember her name, but I could see her face in this moment. And I've for years, like I've wanted to run into her again and say, thank you for working with me on this pivot turn. But anyway, I eventually she worked with me, worked with me, worked with me. I eventually got the pivot turn and, you know, did the doggone thing and our final performance. And. My original teacher, her name was Tammy. I remember her name. Her name was Tammy. She was very, very proud of me (laughs) in that moment. But, uh, you know, I also, this made me think about, as we're talking, actually, I'm thinking about the documentary, The uh, Hot Chocolate Nutcracker, Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, Miss Debbie Allen was pretty tough, too, or is tough. (laughs) Oh, yeah. In her dance studio. So, you know, sometimes, you know, it's just, that's part, part of the game. Yeah, but part of the game and also knowing when to be tough and when to back off and just kind of picking up those cues because not everybody can handle toughness or at least can handle constant toughness. You know, you got to kind of show that you care, like you can't just be a taskmaster all the time. People might accept the the toughness if they know that you also (laughs) care about them as a person. Yeah. So anyway, it's a skill set. That's for sure. It's it's hard to be a teacher. It's hard to teach stuff. 
yes, especially the people that uh that are having trouble so yeah shout out to all the teachers especially the patient ones right <laughs> <laughs> all right so with that we're gonna go ahead and take a short break and when we come back we will see what happens with Dwayne and the meat locker and what happens with the girls of Gilbert Hall. Hillman Class Reunion is committed to supporting institutions that center Black people and communities. We hope that as you return week after week to listen to our podcast, you will hear us use our voices in support of historically Black colleges and universities. And we encourage our classmates to learn about, advocate for, and actively support these institutions of higher education. The coronavirus pandemic has impacted every part of society with black lives, black communities, and black institutions being amongst the hardest hit. Therefore, all season long, we will highlight and donate to a variety of HBCUs, which have long been the foundation of black excellence, black intelligence, and black innovation. Now more than ever, these institutions need our support. This week, we are highlighting and donating to Lincoln University in Jefferson City, Missouri. Founded in 1866, Lincoln has the distinction of being founded by the 62nd and 65th United States Colored Infantries. Go to lincolnu.edu or hellmanclassreunion.com slash WordPress to learn more about Lincoln and ways you can support. All right, we are back to finish up this special step show episode of A Different World. All right, so now we are back at McClurkin Hall and we see Dwayne and Meat are still going at it after missing yet another question. Dwayne asks if he's trying to fail this exam on purpose to avoid playing the game. Because if so, I, you know, it may explain a lot. But me actually reveals that he has a long-term plan. He's got a strategy. He, he really wants to play in the game because he wants to go into professional football so he can earn enough money so he can retire and write poetry. There's a method to the madness. <laughs> Now, even though he has already stated that he loves poetry and that he has a poetic mind, Dwayne hears this for the first time <laughs> and realizes, <laughs> oh, maybe I need to switch up my approach. <laughs> and maybe we need to get into some word problems. And so using football as the basis for a word problem, Meat suddenly understands and he is able to solve these equations. So, yay. Good for him. Yeah, look at that. We got black men helping black men learning. <laughs> All right. Now, possibly the next day. I'm not quite sure, but at another time in another location at the pit, we see Whitley running into Kim asking her how step practice is going. And Kim informs her that is it's actually going quite well and shuts down Whitley's attempt to convince her to quit. Jalisa and Sharice arrive, and it is soon apparent that while practice is going well, they still don't have an ending to their routine. They might need Whitley a little bit. But just then, the girls from Libby Hall arrive to tease them about having an unfinished routine. Who told them? How'd they know? Exactly. <laughs> Girl, it's a mole. 
in the Gilbert Hall staff team. Somebody is telling all the business. All the business. So, yeah, they came up like a gang and said, oh, I heard you ain't got no routine. Or you you have an unfinished routine, excuse me. But Kim tells them, you know what? Jaleesa just came up with something fiercer than fierce. I don't know who told you, but they told you wrong. And, you know, it, it almost worked until Freddie ran up. Dear Freddie, ran up. She was so excited. She had a breakthrough, y'all. And she showed off her struggle step. And girl, the Libby Hall girls, that's all they needed. That gassed them up even more. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, they gave Jaleesa a little quick charity step. Because as the, the uh, step captain said, you know, y'all can have that one. We don't need it. We don't need it. With that high kick. Oh, my gosh. Listen, and, and the girls were shook including Freddie, who demanded Jaleesa bring Whitley back. <laughs> I was a little surprised Freddie was like, no, nah, we need Whitley, after the way Whitley treated Freddie. <laughs> but they knew they, they needed some ammunition because yeah. that little quick five, six, seven, eight, whoa. Girl, I used to try to do that when I was a kid. Do that specific step? Uh-huh. <laughs> How'd it go? It worked. You know, I was a little dancer. I was taking gymnastics and ballet, so you know, I had a little, you know, too bad TikTok wasn't around, baby, because I might have been TikTok famous, okay? Listen, the whole time, I just have to say this, that particular step, but even the the step routine, uh, the big step routine that we'll get into a little later, I was like, this is more than step. This is some, this is some trained dancer type stuff. (laughs) This ain't no, you know, regular college girls. These are folks, obviously, that came from performing arts high schools and has a strong dance background and was in fame (laughs) (laughs) doing these fame kicks. Oh, my gosh. Um, So, yeah, I love that little quick step that they (laughs) that they broke off and said, y'all can have that one. We don't need it. (laughs) Now, what stood out for you in this particular scene? First off, and our listeners will probably say, LaRonda will not let this go. Did you see the people dancing in the pit? (laughs) (laughs) I actually didn't notice the people in the pit necessarily, except for I noticed that when they did their dance, I didn't see enough people turn their heads to look. I was like, you know, there's some action going on and y'all just missing it. Yeah. Like you just pointed out, why didn't anyone turn their head? Like, had that been on my campus and somebody just broke out in a choreographed dance, we definitely would have stopped and looked, I think. Because who does that? <laughs> just just all willy-nilly. Who does a high kick and just said, y'all can have that? Right. I want to see. <laughs> but, yeah, this this is kind of bringing back some memories for me because, I, you know, we didn't have Black fraternities or sororities on my campus. But, you know, we we tried our absolute best to <laughs> make do. And we started our own step team. And I was on the step team. Um, and we performed at the big dance fest every, I think it was every semester. I don't think it was every year. Um, but, you know, it, it, was, it was fun. And we did our steps. And I felt like I, I was able to keep up. Now, I don't know if I told you this. I came to Syracuse University for grad school and they had a step team that was 
uh, you know, unaffiliated with any of the um, Greek organizations. So they held auditions and I decided I was going to audition. You did? I did. I passed the first round. Okay. But that second round, boy. Woo wee. (laughs) They were they were pulling out some, you know, Libby Hall steps and it was fast. And I was just like, wait a minute. I ain't never stepped this fast before. And I mean, you know, I, I put in a good effort. I tried. I was I was working hard, but they wanted speed and agility. And yeah. I couldn't give them that. Yeah. <laughs> that Black Rain team was good. I remember them. They were, they were really good. Yeah. I I was just like, you know what? Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'm sure I would not have been able to be a part of this anyway if I if I would have gotten picked because if the rehearsal was was like that I'm sure the practices were going to be even harder and ain't nobody got time for that when they're trying to get a master's in bioengineering <laughs> right <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking I definitely did not get the memo that this was this was for serious people so uh shout out to Black Rain right <laughs> hopefully y'all still around and still got you know excellence <laughs> right right operating in excellence i'm sure they are girl they're probably on a, even another level <laughs> oh yeah listen that that libby hall step ain't none for them now right were you surprised to see freddie encourage Jalisa to bring whitley back despite yeah. the way she treated her yeah yes 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 but you know also just the way that she handled the whole thing it was uh kind of nice to see although it would have also been nice to see freddie stick up for herself a little bit um but i i appreciated that um the way i what i took away from it was freddie wasn't uh going to be deterred or knocked off by uh whitley she wasn't going to get her confidence you know shattered because whitley thinks that she can't do the step Right. I mean, Freddie knows that she's struggling too. Right. So Freddie's just going to keep her positive attitude and know that I may not have it now, but I will get it. And I'm going to try my hardest. I'm not giving up. Uh, she had that one moment, you know, where Whitley insulted her to her face uh, and Freddie just walked off, you know, and, and good for Freddie for saying, I got to remove myself from this negativity. But yeah, I'm, I was surprised Freddie was so, uh, forceful and saying no we need Whitley (laughs) yeah I don't think I was that surprised because I just I think uh I identified with the desire to want to win and win at all costs (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) now we are going back to Gilbert Hall and we are in Whitley's room and we see Miss Pruitt stopping by for a visit it turns out Whitley's room used to be Miss Pruitt's room and she wanted to see if the initials she carved um, when she was a student were still there. As they look around, uh, Whitley attempts to make friendly conversation, but is shut down each and every time by Miss Pruitt's snide remarks. Miss Pruitt reveals that although she's had suitors, she never found anyone good enough to be her husband, and she has had little time for friendship. She's quite a serious woman. After Miss Pruitt leaves, Jaleesa knocks on the door to ask her to return to the team. Whitley accepts and asks if Freddie is still stepping. 
After Jaleesa confirms, Whitley declares that she owes her an apology. Good for her. And vows to walk her through each step to make sure she gets it. Now down at the pit, Dwayne is worn out. <laughs> he just <laughs> completed a marathon tutoring session. I don't know why you would go to the pit after you're worn out like that. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted some food, I guess. But <laughs> I'd also take that food back to my room so I could pass out. But before he can he can really unwind, he is accosted by members of the football team, anxious to know if the meat locker will be able to play. Walter shoes them away, but he's just as anxious to know what happened. Suddenly. Meat enters the pit. The good news is he passed the exam. Good for him. But the bad news is in his excitement running from the math building, unfortunately, he injured his leg and will be out of commission for a month. So there goes the big game. Womp womp. Aww. But the good news is he passed. He passed. That's right. Because we're here to learn. He passed his big math test. Dwayne, you did it, boo. You did it. You did it. A student athlete. He's there to, you know, he he did the student part. Right. Right. Exactly. Most important. All right. Now let's go back to the Whitley-Miss Pruitt interaction. What did you think about that? And what lesson do you think Whitley was supposed to learn with that? (laughs) Uh, It was definitely tough. You know, it made it hard to like Miss Pruitt, but she's so cute aesthetically. <laughs> like, <laughs> such a cute little lady. But um, I think for Whitley, she saw what she potentially could be or could have been, and it was a wake up call for her being on the other side of that. And then they had a conversation about friendship. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me from this scene, you know, Whitley realizes that Miss Pruitt has basically been alone, devoid of friends and relationships and meaningful relationships. Right. I think for Whitley, that's a wake-up call for her because in those moments, she realizes how valuable her relationships are, you know, with Jaleesa, with Freddie, you know, with Kim, et cetera. And she acknowledges, or I think she sees how her attitude and how her um, negative posture uh, could possibly ruin that. And she doesn't, she, you know, she sees that she doesn't want to end up like Miss Pruitt. And there's nothing like being on the receiving end of that to make one, you know, re- for that to really be a wake up call. That was, that was kind of sad. Um, but, you know, the, like you said, it's, it's good that she got that lesson. She was able to get the lesson and, and apply it right immediately. Right, because she acknowledges, like, you know, I need to go apologize to Freddie. Like, let me get my friends back. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, this may be going a little too deep, but I think under the surface of it all, what we see is her valuing her relationship. Even, you know, I I talked about wanting to win, right? So the girls are like, we want to win, bring Whitley back. But I think for Whitley, it becomes more about, you know what, I value my relationships more than winning. Right. So at the end of the day, you know, let me go back, apologize and make things right. And let's do this as a team. Now, I do want to point out in this uh, scene, we get a mention about Showtime at the Apollo. I think the Libby Hall girls were equated to Showtime at the Apollo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, another nugget. 
dropped in this episode. I mean, there's a lot of nuggets being dropped in this episode. Yeah. Um, just kind of pointing out these these little black cultural touchstones. Um, you know, and just just for those who are unaware, although you should be aware, um, that before American Idol, before The Voice, before X Factor, there was Showtime at the Apollo. Um, so Showtime at the Apollo was a syndicated variety show that ran from 1987 to 2008. So it was still um, pretty new at, at the time, um, oh. back in 88. Um, it was a televised version of the world famous Amateur Night at the legendary Apollo Theater in Harlem, New York, which probably still goes on. Well, maybe not right now during the pandemic, but will continue to go on um, once things open back up. It's way too many Black entertainers that were discovered to really name. Um, But basically, if you made it through Amateur Night, you knew you had talent because the audiences there made their feelings known. If they liked you, they cheered for you. And if they didn't, they booed you off the stage. Got that Sandman out there to sweep you off. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we cannot forget to mention Miss Kiki Shepard, who oh, actually yeah. makes an appearance in a um, later season, either season five or six oh, nice. of A Different World. But she was a longtime co-host, affectionately known as Vanna Black, but her name is Kiki Shepard. And there were also several hosts of Showtime at the Apollo, including Monique, Mark Curry, Sinbad was a host. He hosted from 89 to 91. And Steve Harvey. Um, And the show actually came back for a short time in 2011 on BET and then again in 2018 on Fox. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that is Showtime at the Apollo. Just another thing I wanted to point out or factor I wanted to point out about this scene is, um, again, you know, drawing the parallels season one and season two, some things that were carried forward. Dwayne, I love the fact that his academic strength and uh, him tutoring. Remember, he tutored Denise in season one. Now he's been approached to tutor the Meat Locker in this particular episode and season. And this is uh, basically setting the stage for his career because eventually Dwayne will become a TA and a professor, et cetera, et cetera. So I just think it's really cool how these seeds are planted really early, which is not unlike real life. Yeah. Yeah, and and it gives us an opportunity to see different different sides of young black men. We see, you know, Meat Locker, he's the athlete, but he's, you know, got levels to him as well. Yeah. And we see Dwayne, you know, he he's the smart one and he's so smart that he's able to to tutor his peers and, you know, although Ron's not in this episode, we we get Ron the kind of party guy, fun loving guy. So yeah, I I I agree. I appreciate, you know, the the differences in, in the different types of, of black men, young black men that we see. But I also see the consistency in in how we're seeing um, Dwayne and the emphasis on his intellect and yeah. and how that intellect can be used to um, benefit the entire school. Yeah, is <laughs> the way Walter sells it is like. The, the future of the football program hinges on your ability to, to get this boy through this exam. Let me also add this. Having HBCU experience, 
having attended one and having grown up around one and being growing up in a tailgating football family, those rivalry games are everything. (laughs) Mm. Like, I get the pressure that Walter and Dwayne were over, that were under, excuse me, because again, you're playing your in-state rival, Hampton. Like, this is going to matter from that day up until they play again, whether it's homecoming or, you know, uh, rivalry week. So, you know, I, I appreciate that. And again, um, that other aspect of HBCU culture that is not like you always, like I have mentioned, it's not explained, but it's there and I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, this is the big moment we have all been waiting for. It is time for the Big Step Show. So we are in front of Gilbert Hall. Walter is actually giving the victory speech because it turns out even without the meat locker, Hillman was able to beat Hampton. So they got the bragging rights, as you said, from now until the next time that they play. Seriously. Or it'd be some re- it'd be some real trash talking. It like these rivalries are real. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to start off the step show, we have Letty. And she admits that she is totally biased because she is about to introduce the very first dorm, which is Gilbert Hall, her dorm. And then the girls take center stage. All right. So we all remember this iconic scene. What do you remember about seeing this for the very first time? I remember appreciating seeing it on television because I had seen it in my in in life, right? You know, on college campuses and being at all corn for homecoming, you know, we would go to the step shows or we would see, you know, just the group, the fraternities and sororities stepping. But it's really cool and I felt like made me backtrack, you know, growing up in that, you feel like, or at least I felt like, you know, this this is me, this is my culture. Like this is going to be me one day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, these are my cousins, this is us. But it, it's really cool when you see you on television. It yeah. just takes it to the next level. So I remember, you know, and watching that for the first time, just being excited to see us on television because we didn't see us on television and we didn't see our lives on television, you know? The seeing that was like seeing our lives on television. It was just very gratifying. And it just made me happy and very excited. Yeah. Yeah. I highly recommend it's they got clips on YouTube. Y'all go and watch these, you know, watch watch this particular scene if you if you haven't seen it. Even if you have seen it, you know, watch it again. It's always fun. Yeah. Um so you you see this group of girls, you know, young black women, and they got this uh yellow sweatshirt, kind of cut off, I guess, sweatshirts and black pants and they're like coming down the stairs of Gilbert Hall um the outside and then they're getting into formation and then they get into their step and they also got some lyrics to the step it's not just it's not just uh dancing they got they got some words to say too so let's get into these lyrics if you don't mind so I think these are the lyrics. I could not find anything official, but 
you know, I, I saw some some fan sites and and this seems to be what people have heard. So here here's how it goes. A B C D E F G Gilbert Hall's the one for me. We can't help it if we're great. For Gilbert girls, it's our natural state. Do tell we're fly. Do tell we're fine. Now slide. Hip hop. Snobby girls from Libby Hall. Next to us, you are flowers on the wall. I didn't know that. Ask the fellas who stand in line outside our door because they say that we are fine. Here's where it gets interesting. We don't wear hair weaves. We know how to dress. We're smart, clean, and cool, hot and fresh. And then there's a dance break. And then they go into do tell we're fly, do tell we're fine. Watch us blow your mind. Another dance break. And then they dance off saying G I L B E R T, Gilbert Hall's the one for me, A B C D E F G, Gilbert, Gilbert. And then that repeats. And that's that's the part where Jaleesa is kind of saying it. She's the last one bringing up the rear. First of all, shout out to Jaleesa because I know she was tired. I know I would have been tired if I was the last one and I got to say all this by myself <laughs> and say it strong. <laughs> and she got to finish it strong for it to work. So Don Lewis is the real MVP. But what do you think about these lyrics? I thought they were cool. It reminded me, you know, just when I was on campus as a student, as a member of a sorority, and also, you know, just being on campus as a little girl, the fraternities and sororities would do these chants. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, you know, it definitely, I think this was done in the spirit of those. And um, I thought it was cool. Again, this is like a classic episode. Look, I'm glad you spoke the words. Some of it. I think I caught most of it. I think, but I didn't know the flowers on the wall part. I think I had missed that part. But yeah, I think it was cool. And again, a reflection of like just that real HBC culture. Yeah. You know, Greek life culture, reflection of Greek life culture, even though, you know, they're representing Gilbert Hall, which I'm sure we did for, you know, some legal reasons. I think they, you know, kind of make up a sorority or not kind of. They do have a, um, you know, a sorority that will be in a fraternity that we will be introduced to at some point later. But yeah, and it's also a bit of a sign of the times as well. You know, I I didn't know all of the lyrics. I couldn't hear everything, but I do remember the part about we don't wear hair weaves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had to think, it, it's funny, we talked about Debbie Allen when she came in and one of the changes that she made was she changed Jaleesa and Whitley's hairstyles to look a little more natural because if you remember Whitley had a very long ponytail and Jaleesa had had much longer hair now she got a very short cut but not only that it just it reminded me of the ways that folks kind of talked about black women's hair back in the 80s I remember there being this strong like anti-weave sentiment even though there were a lot of women who you know back then and before the 80s and since the 80s, who had many different types of hairstyles, you know, wigs, weaves, braids, whatever. But there was also this, uh, it was acceptable to ridicule Black women for wearing fake hair. 
That's so interesting. I have no recollection of that. And that's not saying that, you know, it didn't exist. That I don't think that was in my world. Girl, I, to be honest, I didn't know weave was a thing <laughs> until I was like in middle school, high school. Yeah. Uh, you know, thank you for educating me on it. I didn't know there was there were discussions and debate about that in the 80s. Yeah, I just remember. Yeah, so I don't recall in my own personal life seeing uh, or knowing of women who had weaves necessarily. And if, you know, it also could have been that I just didn't know. I remember my aunties and my mom kind of pointing out people on TV. That's a wig, that's weave. And just thinking, why they think everybody got fake hair? Like, you know, I, 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 in my mind, I was just like, I don't know how y'all can tell. Like everybody just, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. Um, but it's, it was this kind of fixation on whether or not your hair is real and fixation on length. And then also kind of pointing fingers at black women who had, you know, who, who did not have their natural hair, quote, quote unquote, who had that fake hair. And, you know, I remember there were people who had stand up routines about it. Really? And yeah, or or like, remember, um, I'm going to get you sucker. And they had this whole um, scene. I think it was Keenan Ivory Wayans and Anne Marie Johnson. Yes, thank you. Um, and the whole thing was let's let's kind of laugh at the fact that this woman who looks like this beautiful ideal woman take her complete you know take her body apart because ain't none of that real, right. not the hair, not the nails, not the you know, not the butt, not nothing, <laughs> not the breath. Like I can't remember everything that she took off, but you know, it, a leg, it, her butt, her, her leg, <laughs> her leg, her butt, her wig, and. I think that was it. <laughs> yeah, just kind of taking it to to the nth degree, but the concept being, I mean, the the idea being the same. These women out here, they fake, they phony. Look at that wig. Look at that weave. Or I remember like <laughs> there would be fights in school sometimes, and one of the things, you know, if 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 it was black girls who fought, one of the things would be waiting to see if there was a braid that would be missing. Or, you know, you walk through the hall and you see a, a, a braid that then fell out and be like, oh, <laughs> it was a fight. Right. This is, you know, these are the remnants of, of it. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it just was something that stood out to me. It was interesting to see that because at that time as well, it was not uncommon for black women to do that to black women, to kind okay. of shame other black women. Um, for that I feel like nowadays we're in a different place you know like I said black, black women are, are wearing weaves and wigs just as much as as they've ever done before but I think we've evolved to a point where it doesn't have to be a shameful thing so but anyway that line stuck out to me and it was interesting and and possibly one of the things if if we were to think about how this might be done differently today I don't know if that if that line would stick around Absolutely not. Because bundles are in. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I was talking to my best friend the other day and I was just like, girl, I'm so glad. Actually, last night I was like, I'm really glad I'm not a teenager right now or, you know, coming of age in this particular decade or time period because everybody got lace fronts and bundles. 
And those are expensive. And I'm not sure my mama would have paid for them. And I probably would have wanted one. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Would have had to, would have had to uh, figure out how to, how to make it yourself somehow. And there are some girls doing a DIY, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure, you know what, at the end of the day, every generation has their thing. So I'm sure I would have figured it out. Right, right. But nonetheless, back to this scene. Um, I also just want to point out Miss Lisa Marie Todd. She was in the group dancing. She didn't have any lines, but uh, some folks might have recognized her. Because she went on to become a fly girl in in living color. Oh, she caught my eye. I knew there was somebody in there that looked uh, familiar, and then I I did a quick search, and they were like, "Yeah, that's Lisa from uh, in living color," which makes sense. Um, now, <laughs> again, I love this scene. I love this step, but I just have to laugh to myself about the fact that it it was it it, it felt like an Alvin Ailey step. It, mm-hmm. it was a lot of high kicks. <laughs> it was a lot of high kicks, and I saw some folks kicking higher than others. Yeah, <laughs> Whitley had that high kick, and I saw Kim with with the medium kick, and I was like, "I'm right there with you, girl." <laughs> My kick would have went so far. I also want to say shout out to the choreographer, whoever you are. Unfortunately, we don't know who it is because they weren't listed in the end credits. I, I didn't see anything listed in IMDb. So, you know, just just an aside. It's really it really sucks sometimes when you don't when you're not able to find, uh, you know, who who was responsible for the creation of certain things like yeah. like these dances. Choreographers don't tend to be recognized in that way. They're not for some reason they're not necessarily included in credits like that maybe maybe times have changed since uh since the 80s but Hope i guess so. it's one of those things that you just know you know but if you, you know and if you don't you don't yeah but you know what though like this brings me back to our first episode that we recorded when we were talking about debbie allen and just her work history when she was on fame she talked about, you know, stuff that she did that she didn't get credit for. And she didn't seem bitter about it. So that's that's not what I'm saying. But I would imagine that, you know, she did it in her sleep almost and just didn't think anything of it. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, it seems like she has a history of doing because, you know, she was in an interview. She talks about how she directed basically all of the dance scenes in fame and um, even a little more than that but you know she's never listed as the director so you know I would posture that you know she did it and I think you may have said Eartha Robinson probably had something to do with it and and for her it was like I just want this show to be great um, yeah and she just for, for her it was like almost minimal like okay let's do this da, 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 da. and um but I do wish she were given credit for it just on GP yeah I'm sure it was you know the just a sign of the the times or or the culture you know that you you credit the writer you credit the director so but it was just understood you wouldn't credit the choreographer yet the choreographer would do the work I think now we're in a time where people are getting more opportunities for credit you know just recently um as of this recording there was some controversy around the tonight show because there was a young lady I'm sorry y'all I'm not that into TikTok, but I 
I understand um, some of the details of what went down. There's a TikTok star um, or TikTok personality that was on the Tonight Show who went on there to promote her projects, but also to do this little skit where she went through all these different TikTok dances. And she was a white um, young woman. And uh, there was a lot of backlash because um, there wasn't any credit given to the creators of those TikTok dances, which were uh, predominantly black, um, black people. And so there's a lot more, um, you know, I don't know if, if that would have happened even 10 years ago. Um, certainly not back in the 80s. I don't know if there was, you know, th there was no social media. So even the people who would have been upset about it would have had no way to express that. But, right. you know, just recognizing um, how Black people continue to be edged out and not given those opportunities. Being on The Tonight Show still is a big deal. And to have that white girl spotlighted, um, you know, and, and kind of introduce these dances to a whole population of people who, like me, aren't into TikTok. So I have no idea what's going on and might come away thinking that she's, she did all these dances, um, you know, when there's other people who created them and, and may have opportunities for career advancement. Um, and even if you're a person that's in a TikTok, still may think she created it because that's your only reference, right? Because basically TikTok followers, TikTok follows like, or mm -hmm. you know, like follows like. So if that's all you're seeing, then you, you're thinking that's her. And then for it to be put on national television, you really think she's the creator. Right, right. So yeah, they, they had to, uh, they had to fix that. <laughs> and then, uh, so a couple episodes, not a couple episodes, I think it went on hiatus, The Tonight Show. And then when it came back, they did this whole thing, inviting those um, dance creators um, to the show via Zoom um, to talk about their dances. So, you know, gave, gave them a little shine. But yeah, there once was a time where choreographers were just not recognized or called out. And so it seems like we are, we may be in a time where that's changing. So good for them. And I wish we knew who choreographed this routine, but it probably is a safe bet to assume it's either Debbie Allen or possibly Eartha Robinson. Look, or don't, lest we forget Jasmine Guy. <laughs> or Jasmine Guy. You're right. You're right. It could be any one of those people. There's a lot of talent there. Okay, so that is the episode. So let's talk about some some final thoughts and some takeaways from this episode as a whole. What did you think? So like I said earlier, it's one of my favorite and most memorable episodes of A Different World. It was definitely reflective of a true HBCU homecoming, <laughs> unlike what we saw in season one. I also like the character development in Whitley because, you know, I can't say enough. I am Team Whitley. So anytime we see growth and maturity and, again, just her becoming a better person, I am all about that. I like also the focus on academics and athleticism because, you know, it was academics first, even though our star football player ended up getting hurt. I appreciate it that focus and that being incorporated into the theme and also you know the importance of that rivalry and not just about 
doing something stupid like stealing a mascot, which I've never heard done before. <laughs> which, you know, <sighs> happened in season one. So, yeah, this is definitely uh, one of my favorite episodes. I think it was a great episode. It was fun. Uh, it was engaging. It was funny. What about you? Yeah, I agree with everything. Yeah, definitely more closer to reality or what I would think would be more realistic at HBCU Homecoming than season one. And I would even say this is closer to how Black folks spend Homecoming even at PWIs. Really? I would say so, yes. They're, I mean, you know, again, Black folks have to make their own fun. So, you know, it's it's not always that it's ingrained in the traditional sense. Um, you know, you have to kind of come up with your own activities and you come up with your own traditions. So, you know, you have to make your own fun. But the point being that you are spending your time creating traditions amongst yourselves. Gotcha. And creating community amongst yourselves. So while the rest of the campus is doing the quote unquote traditional homecoming, you got your your version of your black homecoming, you know, you and your crew. Okay. Yeah, I would say that this was closer to what I remember homecoming to be for, for me and mine. Maybe not necessarily <laughs> organizing a step show between the dorms, but, you know, we doing <laughs> stuff. Okay. We trying. <laughs> um, I also appreciated all those Black references that we pointed out earlier. You know, the Eveline, Showtime at the Apollo, the Lynx, Hampton. It was just all these nice little nuggets and signals just coming back to us, just saying, this is a show about us. If you get it, again, you get it. And it makes the the show that much more meaningful and rich for you. And if you don't, it's not going to stop no show. You don't ever have to know who Eveline, Showtime at the Pilot Links, or Hampton are in order for you to get the point that they were trying to make with this episode. So I love that. I will also say, you know, we have another Ron-free episode. And I have another theory. And my theory is Ron was so disappointed with Homecoming 87 that he decided he was not going to attend Homecoming 88. And instead, he went and spent that time with Millie. No one told him it was going to be a step show, though. You were not. They didn't tell him. (laughs) But put it like this. In 1987, we know we were not at the real Hillman. (laughs) (laughs) It was a parallel universe. That was not the real Hillman. No one misses homecoming. And you will not let Willie go. I mean, Millie go. <laughs> he was so disappointed last year. He wasn't going to stick around. I can't go with that one. He'll be there for 89. Now that he knows 88 was lit. <laughs> Nobody told him. Dwayne didn't tell him. I'm going to go with his dad. His dad made him come home again to sell cars. <laughs> they, had, they, had block, they had to fall blockbuster sale. <laughs> And he was 38 hot about having to leave for homecoming. That's that's my story for Ron. Because you would think he would be there. This is the time. If he going to be, you know, we see the new Ron Johnson. This, the homecoming is Listen, his weekend. That's the weekend you do not go home. The yard is lit homecoming week. Who, who goes home? Who does that? But that's why I'm saying he was so hurt and disappointed the previous year. He was just like, I can't do it. It ain't nothing happening. I thought this was an HBCU. It don't feel like no HBCU. I'm just going to go find Millie. Okay. Telling you. 
that's your story. We're going to let you stick to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How might this episode be different if it were done today? Ely, what you think? When they were on the patio, everybody would have had their cell phones out recording. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was going to say, the step routine that you mentioned earlier, you talked about the dance and the choreography. What I'm noticing, even though I don't think that level of dance would have been incorporated in a step routine in the 80s, today, you know, when I watch videos of the undergraduate girls, their step routines are like for real, like some technical, highly choreographed, like Beyonce video type stuff. It's quite athletic. They got some special effects going on. It's yeah, they got polytech. What is it? Polytechnotronics. Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, what that word is. What you, you oh, know, pyrotechnics. Pyrotechnics. Thank you. Thank you. They would have had pyrotechnics. <laughs> girls, some screen images in the background. A guest appearance by somebody from TikTok or Instagram model or something. Listen. You know, and I've seen, you know, with, with all this social distancing and, and, and people not necessarily being on campus or having hybrid stuff, I've been seeing step routines or, you know, probates and things like that on video. Like it's, it's filmed specifically so that you can watch it. It's not, it's not a live performance necessarily. It's a performance for film. And I mean, edited, lots of music. It's just very professionally done. Lots yeah. of special effects. These folks know what to do. They've grown up with the computer. Listen, these kids know what they're doing, even before the pandemic. Um, you know, I, as I said before, I think there probably wouldn't have been that crack about hair weave in yeah. their step routine. I'm, I'm sure everything else is fair game, but they would have probably said something different. And I also, you know, with Miss Pruitt, I appreciated the, the, um, the lesson they were trying to to teach with Miss Pruitt and and Whitley and you know basically don't don't turn into a, a mean old woman like Miss Pruitt. I feel like if that were done today, there would have been an emphasis on the lack of friends and you know those those uh, intimate and important relationships and social bonds rather than her lacking a man. They mentioned her lack of a man and they talked about her lack of other. They emphasized the lack of a man and they tacked on the friends too. Because Whitley then followed up with, you know, I would think a woman of your stature or, you know, your your importance would not, uh, would, would have many men basically, you know, falling in line. I, I can't imagine you would be single. And then she was like, yeah, well, you know, basically no one was good enough for me. So they had more of a conversation on that man part and not the friends part. And I feel like if it were done today, there would have been either more even conversation about that, or there would have been more of an emphasis on the, on the friendship part. The lesson wouldn't have been don't be manless like Miss Pruitt. I didn't get that, but I mean, I, I remember that scene, but I didn't, I don't know that that didn't stand out to me that much, but yeah, that's the interesting take that stood out. All right. Well, I think we have talked about this episode to the limit. <laughs> we have gone into a deep dive on this legendary episode called A Stepping Stone um, from 1988, episode seven of season two. I enjoyed 
going down memory lane and learning the real lyrics. I I think these are the real lyrics. We'll have to uh we'll have to get somebody from a different world to let us know. Jasmine guy, Don Lewis, let us know. <laughs> right. Do we have the lyrics right? And y'all let us know too, listeners. If 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 we if you think that you heard something different, let us know. Oh, I forgot. We need to rate this episode, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> oh, I'm about to wrap it up. Okay. Uh, how would you rate this episode, Ely? Like Letty, I am biased because this is one <laughs> of my favorite episodes ever. So I'm giving this one a five. I'm going to give it a five, too. I Really, it was the step show for me. Yeah, I do love that part. All right. So I think this is our first five of the season, right? Yeah, I think so. We've come a long way. Yeah, because I don't think season one got more than a three. <laughs> if it did, it was it was a bit generous. It was it was. It so, was. But you know, not not to not to pile on. Not to pile on. A lot of people say they don't like season one and that's fine. That's fine. Everybody got opinion. Mm-hmm. So anyway, let's wrap this up. Thank you everyone for joining us on this episode of Hillman Class Reunion. We had so much fun reliving A Stepping Stone, episode seven of season two. Looking forward to coming back next time. Y'all join us. Me too. This is so fun. Talk to you later, Dr. Flowers. Talk to you later, Dr. Ely. Bye. Bye. I'm Dr. LaRonda Ely. And I'm Dr. Portia Flowers. Thank you for listening to this installment of Hillman Class Reunion Podcast. Hillman Class Reunion is produced, written, directed, and edited by LaRonda Ely and Portia Flowers. Original intro and outro music was produced by our friend and brother, Daquan Bowen. You can get more information about him at DaquanBowen.com. That's D-E-Y-Q-U-A-N-B-O-W-E-N-S dot com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hillman Reunion, Instagram at Hillman Class Reunion, and Facebook at Hillman Class Reunion. And visit our website at hillmanclassreunion.wordpress.com. And hey, classmates, like, rate, and subscribe to Hillman Class Reunion on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We hope that you join us for our next episode of Hillman Class Reunion. Bye. Bye.